good morning. It's good to see you on this beautiful, beautiful day. I want you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy 28. One of the songs I grew up singing in church was named Count Your Many Blessings. And many of you, and perhaps most of you, will remember that song. It went something like this. When upon life's billows you were tempest-tossed, when you get discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And then the chorus went like this. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, count your many blessings, see what God has done, Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Now, there was another song I sang growing up, growing up, growing up in church. It was Showers of Blessings. And the first verse went like this, there shall be showers of blessings. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above, showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we need, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. We are in a series that we've entitled The Blessed Life. That word blessed is found almost 500 times in our English translation of the Bible. Almost 500 times in our English translation of the Bible. Now when we look at the Old Testament, we discovered that there are two words that are translated blessed from the Hebrew to the English. The first word is the Hebrew word esher. It literally means happy. And it is describing a happiness that is independent of our situation or our circumstances. It is much more than an emotion. It is a joy that comes from within that is given to us by God regardless of of what is going on around us. And God wants us to have that kind of happiness. But there's another word that is translated blessed in the Hebrew or from the Hebrew, and that is the word barak. And the word barak literally means God's hand of favor. It is God's hand of favor intervening in our life. Now I want you to write this down. I want you to deposit it in your long-term memory. God wants to give you happiness, a joy that is independent of any situation and any circumstance you may face in life. But I want you to also know this morning that God wants to rain down. I am convinced that God wants to rain down His divine favor upon your life. He wants to work on your behalf doing in you and for you and through you what only he can do. When the Bible speaks of the life of Abraham, it says this in Genesis 24. Abraham was now old, he was well advanced in years, and the Lord blessed him in every way. Now what does that mean when it says he blessed, he poured down the Barak blessings of God on Abraham in every way. It means exactly what it says. He blessed Abraham in every way imaginable. He blessed Abraham with wealth. He blessed Abraham with health. 
He blessed him with a a good name in the world. He blessed him with a family. He blessed him with divine protection. He blessed Abraham in every way. But it doesn't end there. We're told that, that God blessed Abraham's son, Isaac. We're told that God blessed Abraham's grandson, Jacob. And we are even told that the blessings of God were upon Joseph in such a powerful way that he even blessed the household of Potiphar, who was the captain of Pharaoh's guard, because Joseph lived in Potiphar's home. Did you hear that? Here was someone who was not a follower of the one true God who received the blessings of God simply because the man of God was living in his house. Now here's the biblical truth. God wants to bless your life. But here's the question. Are you in a position to be blessed? Now I want you to understand something this morning. God's blessings are always undeserved. They always come to us through grace. We never deserve God's divine favor upon our life. But we need to understand that even though God's blessings come to us undeserved, for the most part, as we read through Scripture, God blesses those who are blessable. And all too often, The truth of the matter is, we just aren't blessable. Now last week, we discovered that the blessed life begins with a relationship with God. In Psalm 144, verse 15, it says, Blessed, Barak blessings. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. In other words, blessed are those people who belong to the family of God, who belong to Him. And we are even told how that happens. We are told that it begins when we cry out to God for forgiveness. In Psalm 32, it says, I acknowledge my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. But it starts off this way. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. When we acknowledge our sin, when we don't cover it up, we confess it to God. God forgives us. And the Bible says that he rains down his blessings upon us. So that relationship with God begins as we cry out forgiveness. And then we trust God with our life. Here's what it says in the book of Jeremiah. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And, and last week we discovered that, that we begin by trusting God with our salvation. We realize that our best efforts are not good enough, that we need a Savior, we need a Redeemer, and so we trust what Jesus did on the cross to forgive us and save us. But it's not enough just to trust God with salvation. God wants us to trust Him with our life. And so we cry out to God for forgiveness, we trust Him with our life, and then we surrender control to Him. This is what it says. He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. Now, that's what it means to fear the Lord. It means to surrender control to Him, to submit to His authority, relinquish our life to Him. Now, here's what the Bible teaches. 
Once we cry out to God for forgiveness and we place our trust in Jesus and we surrender our lives to him, we become a part of his family. And as such, there are certain blessings that are guaranteed to us. As members of God's family, those blessings are guaranteed. For instance, when I become a part of God's family, I am guaranteed a home in heaven. I am guaranteed eternal life with Jesus. And nothing will ever change that. I am guaranteed the presence of God. He said that he would walk with me through life. He said that he would never leave me. He would never forsake me. I am guaranteed his unconditional love. In other words, when I become a member of his family, a a part of his family, nothing will ever separate me from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus, my Lord. There are certain blessings that are guaranteed. But I want you to also know that the Bible teaches there are other blessings that are conditional. And that takes us to our passage this morning. You see, the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, were on the border of the promised land, camped on the River Jordan. And they were getting ready to cross over into the promised land and take possession of the land that God had promised them. Now, if you know the story, you know that they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years simply because they did not trust God. They they did not have enough faith to believe in his promises. And because of that, they wandered and every adult except for Moses, Joshua, and Caleb had died. And so this new generation of people were, were standing on the border of the promised land. And as they prepared to go into the promised land, God wanted to remind them, this new generation of what he wanted to do in them and what he wanted to do through them. And we see this in the form of a sermon that Moses preached in in much of the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 28, we discover that, that God wants to bless his people beyond measure as they go into the promised land. But the blessings that God promises his people as as they prepare to go into the promised land, are conditional. And so listen to what it says, beginning in verse 1 of Deuteronomy 28. If. Now let's stop right there. I want you to circle that word. If you miss that word, if, you're going to miss the most important word in this passage of Scripture. You see, you will never understand what God says about his blessings that follow if you miss that word, if. God says, I want to bless you, but you need to understand there are some conditions attached to my blessings. And so listen to what he says. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow All his commands I give you today. The Lord your God will set you high above the nations on earth. All these blessings, and and we're not going to go, I'm not going to say this every time, but every word blessing in Deuteronomy 28 is that word barak, which means the supernatural favor of God. All these blessings 
will come upon you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed and the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and and you will be blessed when you go out. Understand, there is no way that we can read this passage of Scripture without understanding that God wants to unleash His blessings upon us. But the passage doesn't end there. If you look on down to verse 15, we read another part of, of God's message to His people. If, if you fully obey, if you carefully follow everything I command you, then... I'm going to bless your socks off. But then, verse 15, however, and don't miss that word. I mean, really, if your Bible's open, you need to circle that word, however, because you need to tie the if in verse 1 with the however in verse 15. However, if you do not obey the Lord your God and you do not carefully follow all His commands and decrees I'm giving you today, All these curses will come upon you and overtake you. You will be cursed in the city and cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trough will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. And the crops of your land and the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. You see, the Bible teaches that each of us has a choice. We can live under the supernatural blessings of God... Or we can choose to live under the curses that come from disobedience to God. Now understand, this wasn't the first time that God said this to his people in this sermon. I mean, you've probably heard pastors before, you've probably heard me before make a point, and we've we've said that point over and over and over. And the reason that we say it over and over is because it's important. We don't want you to miss this. You need to get this. If if you hear anything in the sermon, this is what you need to hear. And this, this truth about the blessings of God is one of those truths. In Deuteronomy 11, verses 26 through 28, it says this, See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing... If you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse, if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God. And turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. Now here's the truth. That is crystal clear. It is revealed over and over in scripture. God's blessings are tied to our obedience. Now certainly, as I said before... There are certain blessings that are guaranteed based upon our relationship with God. But there are other blessings that are tied to my obedience to His Word. Now the tragedy is, the nation of Israel for the most part chose disobedience. They chose to live under the curse rather than the blessing. And the truth of the matter is, I'm convinced, for the most part, Christians today are living under the curse 
rather than under the blessing. I, I cannot but wonder what would happen in the lives of individual Christians, in the lives of churches, in the lives of people in the world if believers would simply begin to live lives of obedience. If we would just simply fully obey and carefully follow the commands that God gives. Now, I'm sure of this. I'm sure if we were careful to obey and we fully followed, our lives would be more blessed. I am convinced that our churches would be more blessed. And I am convinced that the world would be more blessed through us. And I believe that it's time for the people of God to stand up and begin to live lives of radical obedience so that we can experience the blessings of God so that the blessings of God in us can be poured out through us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And so how do we live this life of obedience? Well, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 28 that there are two things that we have to do if we want to live lives of obedience. First, we've got to know what God says. You see, I can't obey God unless I know what he wants me to do. And so how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? Now, this is profound, it's important, you need to listen. If I want to know what it is that God wants me to do, here's what I need to do. I need to listen. If I want to know what God wants me to do, I need to listen. Now, if you're a parent, you've experienced this before. And if you're a child, you've experienced this before. The parent calls out to their child and, and they tell them something to do. Clean your room. Turn off the TV. It's time to go to bed. Turn off your light and go to bed. And we hear from the other room those words. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. And we go on with our life. But around 10 minutes later, we observe something as parents. We observe that that the lights haven't gone off. We observe that the TV is still playing. We go into the room and we observe that it's still a pig pen. And we look at our child and we go, did you not hear me? And inevitably, what do they say? They go, what? Huh? And we say, I told you to clean your room. And you said, yes, sir. And they say, what? I didn't hear you. They answer with their mouth. But somehow, some way, they didn't hear us. Now, you say, how is that? Here's how. They hear the words with their ears, but somehow, some way, those words don't make it from their ears to their brain and get processed. And so they hear what we say, but they never hear what we say. And in all honesty, in all honesty, they're sitting there with a puzzled look on their face going, what? I didn't hear you. What did you say? 
Because they've heard, but they did not listen. Now what's interesting is this. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1, the root word for obey is the word to hear. It's to hear. You see, the first step in obedience is what? It is hearing what God tells us to do. Now, later on in verse 13, God makes this crystal clear to us. Listen to what he says. If your Bible's open, this is one of those great passages to underline. It it begins by saying, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. Let me ask you a question. Who wants to be the tail? Not me. I mean, you know, that's just not a very pleasant place, is it? God says, I will make you the head and not the tail. If, if you pay attention to my commands, if you pay attention, it's not just hearing the words, it's processing what they mean. Now, how do you do that? How do you pay attention to the Word of God? How do you listen to God's voice? Well, we can do that in a variety of ways. We can do it through prayer. We can hear God through prayer, can't we? We can do that through, through godly counsel, can't we? we? We get godly counsel and God speaks to us. We can, we can hear God speak to us through circumstances, can't we? And God does that sometimes. And certainly God speaks to us through his word. But here's what I've discovered. For the most part, most of us don't use the final way to hear God very often. I hear people say things like this, well, I've prayed about it, but here's the problem. You can be deceived in your prayer life. I've heard people say things like, well, the Holy Spirit just really spoke to me and and told me. Well, the Bible says that we are to test the spirits to see whether they're from God. And so whenever we pray, whenever we listen to the Spirit of God, whenever we listen to godly counsel, whenever we are looking at our circumstances to try to understand what God is saying to us, we always need to take that and filter it through the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is the final authority through which God speaks to us today. God speaks to us through His Word. That's why as Baptists, we say that we are people of the book. We are not people of a book. We're people of the book. That's why as Baptists, we have always put such a strong emphasis on the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. As a matter of fact, for for Baptists, that has always been perhaps the, the most important thing. Why? Because it is through God's Word that God primarily speaks to us and communicates to us today. In Psalm chapter 1, there is a, a story of, of, a, of a blessed man. And in, in verse 1, it says this. I want to read the psalm to you. It says, blessed 
is the man who does not walk in the castle of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is in the law, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. He begins by telling us that this man is blessed. And the word blessed here is is in the plural, which is talking about a multiplicity of the blessings that this man experiences. It's not a one-time blessing that the man of God experiences. It is a lifetime of blessings that we experience if we are a man of God or a woman of God. And then notice how he ends this description in verse 3. It says, whatever he does will prosper. That's the blessings of God. In other words, God's hand is going to be upon whatever you do. God told Jacob, I will make you prosper. God said to Joseph, whatever you do will prosper. In Deuteronomy, we are told that they would prosper if they kept the covenant of God. In Proverbs, we're told a generous man will prosper. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, I have plans for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Hear me. God wants to bless you. And if you think that I am preaching a health and wealth gospel right here, right now, you're not listening. And yet at the same time, I want you to hear what I'm saying. God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. And sometimes that is rained down in your life in the form of material things financial wealth, and he gives you those things. Why? So you can be a blessing. Sometimes he pours out health to you, and you never have to go to the doctor. I mean, you're, you're one of those people that just are a, a picture of health. Sometimes he blesses with just the, the love of family, but God wants to bless you. God wants to prosper you. Now notice in Psalm 1 how he describes this blessed man. And he really tells us two things here that is tied to hearing the word of God. He says, first of all, this blessed man is separated. He is separated from the world. John told us this. He said, don't love the world nor the things of the world. If a man loves the world, the the love of the Father is not in him. And by the way, that passage right there, there throws a wrench into the health and wealth gospel because if if our desire is for fame and fortune those things are tied to this world now if God gives you fame and fortune for his glory and his honor praise God from whom all blessings flow but understand We don't go to God seeking his divine favor, his supernatural hand, so that we can live lives of ease. We seek God's blessing so that God can use us to be a blessing upon the world. Love not the world. Paul said, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. In another place, we're told to come out from among them, the world, and be a separate people. James said that we're to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. I I think that that most of us here would probably agree today that we're living in a world that is turned upside down when it comes to values. 
What once was considered wrong and sinful is, is now not only justified, but it is advocated. That's the world we're living in. And in this world, God says that we are to step out from them and live different from them. Here's what, here's what David said in Psalm. He said, do not walk in the council. Do not stand in the way. Do not sit in the seat. Do not walk in the council of the ungodly. That means to come alongside them. Do not stand in the way of the sinners. That means to take a journey with them. Do not sit. That means to dwell with them, to, to make a residence with them. And I want you to notice that progression that occurs there. We walk, we stand, we sit. Before long, the things that we know are sinful and ungodly and impure, we begin to not only tolerate, but we begin to advocate and, and we find ourselves doing. We live in a sick society. And all too often, you and I are, are getting our advice and our counsel from sick people. Why in the world, if I'm wanting counsel for my marriage, go to someone who has been divorced multiple times? But that's what people do. Why in the world would I go to someone for financial advice who has perhaps been, been arrested for, for practices that are that are illegal or unethical. And yes, that's what some people do. We look at people who have values that are contrary to the Word of God and we're seeking advice and counsel from them. We're seeking advice and wisdom from the world rather than from the Word of God. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, it's only a matter of time when you walk near sin that you will stand to consider sin and finally sit down to enjoy the pleasures of sin. Johnny Hunt said this. He said, we begin with wrong principles which lead to wrong practices which then make wrong partnerships. James Merritt said it this way. He said, we accept the advice of sinful people, then we imitate their actions, then we adopt their attitudes. You see, the Word of God says that it's Believers, as Christ followers, as, as people who seek to live godly lives, we are to step out from the world and live different from them. And so how do we do that? How do we know what different looks like? Well, David said that not only are we to be separated, we're to be saturated. Notice what he says. He said, your delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does this person meditate on day and night. In other words, the man, the woman who is blessed passionately loves the word of God. And they meditate on it. They literally consume it day and night. Now, at Northside, in our... In our um, it takes discipline class. We teach that there are five things that you need to do with the Word of God if it's going to get in your heart. And you want God's Word in your heart. You need to hear it. That's what you're doing right now. You need to examine it. That's where you pick up a Bible and you read it 
for yourself. You need to analyze it. That's when you move from reading it to picking up a pen and a, a note sheet and taking notes on what you're reading. You're asking questions. And then you need to remember it. You need to memorize it. There are passages that you need to memorize. If you hide his word in your heart, it will keep you from sin. And then you need to think upon it. You need to dwell on it day and night. We need to let God's word get in us. How do we obey God's word? Well, we've got to listen to it. How do we listen to God's word? We get into it. I want to challenge you right now, each and every one of you, today, to begin to start a daily Bible reading plan. Pick up the Word of God and systematically read it every single day. You don't have to try to read the Bible through in a year. That may be overwhelming. But what I want to encourage you to do is, is read a chapter a day, the very least, and then ask some simple questions on that chapter. And here's three questions that you could ask on every single chapter you read. What does this passage teach me about God? I mean, that's pretty important, isn't it? This book is a revelation of God. So what does this teach me about God? Second, what does it teach me about me? About man? I mean, that's a pretty good question, isn't it? As I'm reading this passage, what am I learning about mankind and then finally in light of what it teaches about God and what it teaches about me what do I need to do if this is what it says about God and this is what it says about me what now do I need to do make a commitment today to begin to read God's Word this morning I've got my father's old Bible he gave it to me several years ago and um, in the front of it he wrote this so, Rocky, I, I want you to have this Bible. Um, when you were very young, we kept it on the headboard of the bed to read at night. We left it on the bed alone and found you literally eating the Word. You will find where I taped it back together. Um, may God always give you um, a heart to digest God's Word as you take it in. And, and one of the passages that was torn in my father's Bible was in Jeremiah where it says, when your words came, I ate them. <laughs> and they were a joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name. Now, I don't encourage you to take a copy of God's Word and literally pull the pages out and, and eat it. There are better ways to get fiber in your diet. But what I do encourage you to do is make a plan today to systematically read the Word of God. And so to obey, you first of all have to hear, you have to listen, you have to let it get into your mind and sink into your mind. And to do that, you've got to get into the Word of God. But once you hear the Word of God, the next thing you need to do is do what God says do. In verse 1, notice what it says of Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall be... If you diligently obey the Lord your God, being careful, now this is the important phrase, to do all his commands. You see, because in the Hebrew, that, that word obey can literally be translated to hear. So what you need to do is diligently hear the word of God and then be careful to do 
what it says to do. You hear it, and the only way you're going to hear it is to get into it. And then once you hear it and you get into it, then you need to do what it says to do. In James chapter 1, verse 25, it says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. It's not just looking at the Word. It's not just hearing the Word. It's doing what the Word says. And when we do what the Word says, we will be blessed. And so let's get specific for just a moment. Because the truth of the matter is, the reason we as believers are not more blessed today is because there are areas of disobedience in our life. It may be relational disobedience. God's word is crystal clear on on our relationships, isn't he? I mean, from things like dating and and courtship and marriage. I mean, we're we're told specifically that, that sex is a gift that God gives to a couple for marriage and that sex outside of marriage is sin. And I would be foolish if I didn't think... and. In our church, we didn't have people who come every Sunday who are, who are disobeying God in this area. And we're living in disobedience, and yet we want God to bless our family. There, there are some of us here today who are going through marriage difficulties, and, and we're just not happy in our marriage, and we're ready to throw in the towel. And, and there's no biblical grounds for our divorce We're just not happy. We're tired of being married to the person we're married to. We're ready to run. And we think that doing that is going to rain down God's blessings upon us when we're disobedient to what he says. There there are some of us here today who we have been holding a grudge for a long time. There's somebody that we just can't absolutely stand. We, we despise them. We don't like them. I mean, when we see them, all kind of emotions raise up inside of us, and we just, we have bad thoughts. And we know that God says that's wrong, don't we? Because God clearly says, if I have something against my brother, or my brother has something against me, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to go, and what I'm supposed to do, I'm supposed to make it right, correct? I mean, it's pretty clear, simple stuff. And, and yet we haven't done it. Our, our relationships. Maybe it's in the area of finances. God's word is pretty clear when it comes to finances and And what we need to do if we want to live under the blessings of God. For some of us, it may be the words that we use. I mean, God's word is is clear when he talks about let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. The Bible speaks about lying and and all kind of other things. And, And it seems like we're living in a day and age where it's just so easy to lie, isn't it? I mean, there's just lies of convenience. It's just much more convenient to to fib on the truth than it is to be honest. We could go on and on. But you see, the truth of the matter is when we systematically begin to read this book, 
what happens is all of a sudden this book becomes a mirror to our soul. And when we read things in it, we realize, I am disobeying. And at that point in time, we have a clear choice. Either to repent and determine to live in obedience and experience the blessings of God. Or continue to live in disobedience and live under the curse of sin. Now, I don't know about you. But I don't want to live under the curse. I want to live under the blessing. And the blessing is found in obedient living. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your head with me right now. I want everyone here to bow their head. I don't want anyone looking around thinking about what comes next. I want you to bow your head. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, both here and our West Campus, I just want you to think about areas in your life where you know you're living in disobedience. You're living in sin. You know what's wrong. Right here, right now, you're you're making that commitment. You want to make that commitment to not live in disobedience anymore. Because you have a choice. Now, if you're here and you're saying, Rocky, I know there are areas of disobedience. But right here, right now, and I'm making the commitment to begin to live a life of obedience so that God can bless me so that I can be a blessing. Here's what I want you to do. If you're here and you know there's areas of disobedience, you know there are right now and you're living in them and you're willing to say, I don't want to live in disobedience anymore. I want you to take a bold step right here at the West Campus with every head bowed, with every eye closed. If, if that's you and you know there are areas of disobedience and you want to be obedient, I want you to stand right where you're at right now. Thank you. Brave. Thank you. I want us to take that bold move and stand because in standing, you're taking a stand. You're making a statement to God. I want to live in obedience. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to remain standing. And I want us to pray right now. You may pray right where you are and just pray to God and ask God to forgive you for that area of disobedience and, and turn it over to God. But I'm going to pray for you right now as well. Dear God, we long to live under your blessings. We desire to be obedient to your word. Right here, right now, we're making a commitment. We're making a decision. We're drawing a line in the sand. I've been disobedient, but right here, I'm making the commitment to you. I want to be obedient, Lord. 
Forgive me for those areas where I have been disobedient. And Lord, right here, right now, I am going to be obedient to your word. Through your help, through the power of your spirit, I'm going to live for you. Give me strength. Give me power. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.